Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show with Nancy Hopkins, Walt Silva, and Dolly Howard. This is a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. And welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. It's September 21st, 2021. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. Um, hi, Walt. How are you doing tonight? Hello there. How are you? Hello, Dolly. Hello, everybody. And Dolly. Howdy, everybody. There we go. We've said hi. So, um, wait a second, I gotta call. I don't know why. <laughs> she needs some honey. Honey and what? Lemon juice? Honey and something. Not whiskey. Well, you know, you, you sit you sit here, you know, you're here all day and you, you don't talk to many people. I mean, I might say, hey, you want to give me a kiss? You know, about this. <laughs> Who are you talking to? The dog. I'm always, I'm always making him give me kisses. Oh, I thought maybe you had a visitor. No, no. I see. I can grab him by the the leash, his his collar, and give him head kisses. I don't do his mouth kisses. I mean, I'm not that kind of person. But I just give him a big hug. But the cats. Oh, their mouth is cleaner than a human's. Well, they say that, but I don't want to give him any. I don't want to give him anything. It's not. That I'm afraid of getting it from him. I don't want to give him anything, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> so when when I get back on the radio, it's like I haven't talked to anybody, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, well, we're still where we were on Saturday because, no, you weren't there with us. That's right. We had Jan what, Shaw. What happened Saturday? Tell me, tell me. Well, Jan was... Wait a minute. Wait, give me just a second. Yes, man. You keep privating me, but it gets up in my way. I can't see. <laughs> Do you have something secret to tell me? Just private me if you have something secret. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, all right. Um, well, it was a normal current events thing. I don't, you know, they all kind of run in my run together in my head. But I'm sure Jan we, was with us. Yes, and I'm sure we were brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> What did you reveal? Dolly? Uh, not much, because she kept interrupting me, and then I forgot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dolly did a lot of talking. I didn't have to do too much talking. Dolly well, I was Jan. trying to, but they made me forget a lot, Walt. <laughs> Walt, that's not true at all. We gave her every opportunity. Yeah, like two minutes here and three no, minutes there. No, no, no. The whole hour, the whole first hour of the show. Oh, was it? Yeah. See how short it was to me and long to you? Yeah, I didn't think she'd ever stop talking, Walt. <laughs> so what did she reveal? I don't even remember. It was important. Oh, she was bragging on her kids. 
She was bragging on her kids. I told you that alarm was going to go off. She was bragging yeah. on her kids. They're the most wonderful kids in the world. Which yes, I'm not going to argue with. <laughs> not at all. Especially Annette. Yes. Especially Annette. I thought you weren't going to mention her. I got... <laughs> <laughs> well, he is such a, you, get you. <laughs> he is such a brat. He is such a brat. I, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't mess it up. I don't blame you. How <laughs> she is in what she does for me. Like now, she's in the process of having the yard, the front yard landscaped, and we're doing it with succulents and uh, and. New uh, a cement new tier to put succulents in, and some of them will hang down from the first tier and then hang down from the second tier and runs all along the front of the house and down from the front of the house down the lanai screen uh, on the one side and along the front. And uh, they put in new sod on half of the front yard. And we got two new palm trees, pineapple palm trees. She's spoiling me rotten. It was nice. It is nice. And she went on so, and on and on. You're lucky you only heard that much, Walter. <laughs> we, 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 we saw every plant in her yard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm only kidding, audience. I love her dearly. We're just here to entertain you. I've been watching too much Gutfeld. He insults everybody. Well, if we can't <laughs> laugh at ourselves, who can we laugh at? That's, oh, God, that's the truth, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many jokes I tell myself in a day, you know? And they're really good jokes. Uh, <laughs> she has the animals to attest. To it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, okay. Well, <clears throat> let's see. I want to start. Well, I want to start out just with telling you a, neat, a really cool story. Okay. So, was it last night or the night before? I just. I, I think it was. I think it was Saturday night actually, because I just needed to clear my head before I started doing radio stuff, doing the editing and stuff. So I turned the television on, and there is, you know, just not anything. I mean, Fox, yes, I could all, I was, you know, no, no, no. And so I come across this thing that's talking about, was on, I think the travel or science, either of those stations. And it was about a guy who, real kind of character type, uh, and a treasure hunter. Uh, deep sea treasure hunter who had been very very successful i can't remember his name but we'll just call him nick because i think it was nick but we'll call him nick so nick is on a a, a a treasure hunt off the coast of the bahamas and they see something on you know now with all this gadgets they have they can see the bottom they saw something and he said well <clears throat> let me just get in the small dinghy and i'll go back and i'll take a look at it so he does, and he came back, and he didn't say a word to anybody, not a word. But what happened was that, because they were digging on a, uh, diving on another hit that they had gotten, and it was some kind of a, I think an anchor. So they're pulling up this anchor, and this was like in the 60s, I think, 
60s, maybe early 70s. It was a, it was a long time ago. And they were pulling up the anchor when the <clears throat> Bahama uh, police come and tell them that they don't have the right permit and they're going to be arrested. So Nick says, screw you people, and gunned the boat and took off running. And he said that he had, I think I think he said over 100 bullet holes in his in his boat because they were firing at him the whole time. So he was banned from going back to the Bahamas. Now the problem is is that when he went off by himself and dove down, he found a German submarine. And he claimed that it was partially hidden uh like in a cave un- under the water but in a cave type of thing. And he, he, he over the years as he he couldn't get the Bahamas to let him back and people started thinking that he might have made this all up and whatever and but he couldn't get back and so gradually as he got older he began to release a little bit more clues let's say to where it was but still he went to his death like in 18 I think it was um, with never having been able to go back and nobody was told where this thing was so at the end of his life when he had passed over the family took all of his notes and gave it to a treasure hunter, another treasure hunter. And so this guy starts to, he doesn't know if it's true or not, you know. <clears throat> he really had no opinion about it. He just was like, okay, well, let's look at the data and see if we can see anything. So he studies this, and he realizes, like every, you know, treasure hunter, you don't tell people what you're finding. You keep it hidden. Because otherwise somebody's going to, you know, get there before you do. But there were clues and gradually he's he's like finding out what these clues are meaning and he decides that he knows where this thing probably is so as he got older nick nick had done a lot of research into the submarines and he found that the one that he saw and he had a schematic he drew a schematic of it you know this is what the dimensions were and blah 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 um, he realized that the submarine that he saw was not like a regular military submarine. This was one of nine submarines that at the end of the war were built in order to be basically cargo ships. And the, all of the torpedoes and munitions, they were all gone. It was just this big open tube that you could put gold and silver and uh, you know, precious art and all that sort of thing. In. And there were nine of them at the end of the war. There's absolute proof that there were nine of them. And they were built in a particular German shipping port thing. And he found that on the sub. I mean, he, the sub's intact. He went down, you know, he saw this plaque, everything. So he's pretty convinced, or apparently convinced, that this is an intact ship that's got a submarine that's got treasure in it. That's why you wouldn't tell anybody. So what happened was that he um, he dies. The guy gets all this information and he says, "Okay, I think I know where we're going." He gets this girl who's got she's got a company that builds the best underwater uh, remote uh, devices to do this, that, and the other thing. All these electronics. And he's got a photographer that's worked with him on other uh, dives because one of the most important things is to uh, 
document that you were there and that you actually saw it. And so the photographer was always going with him to document. And he actually was able to claim a, a treasure ship because he had the documentation. The guy that claimed he, he found it first was couldn't do that. So it was very critical that they have a photographer always available to film everything. So it's the three of them, and they go on out to the Bahamas, and they dive on, well, they start doing scans, and sure enough, they find something that indicates that it's probably a debris field. And they go down there, and they find a flange that would have been the type of flange you found on a German, a flange being uh, like a connecting uh, joint thing. Then it's a screw-on thing for high pressure. And so they found that, and the other stuff was, you know, just pieces of metal. So they'd send all the photographs and stuff to this other guy, and this other guy who knows all about these, these submarines and stuff says, you know, I'm, I just, there's not enough there to be able to say that it is a, a submarine. It's just not enough. But they followed this sort of semi-debris field, and it went over this cliff. I mean, it was like they they could even even the RV couldn't wasn't didn't have a, a long enough tether to get down to the bottom of this. So, but he the guy that said if it was me, I wouldn't spend any more money on on trying to figure out what this is. There's just not enough evidence that it should be pursued. And then COVID hits, so they you know, bummed out and they leave. And then just at the end of the show, this was a two-hour show. And I'm going, was it a two-hour show? No, I think maybe only an hour. I'm not sure. But it was, I'm like so bummed out because it was so well done. And I'm going like, they always go diving and they never find anything. You know, this is so frustrating. Now, and then this guy contacts him, and he was the captain on the ship, the first ship when the submarine was found way decades and decades back, right? And he had all of the naval books that tell where they were and the you know coordinates and all that sort of thing so i guess they're going to have an, a second show on this but that led into me being introduced to the show after it and now they're still diving but this time they're diving for the uh, avengers from the you know the the, the 19 uh, flight 19 the avengers the aircraft that were navy planes that got lost at the in Bermuda Triangle right after World War II and started really the whole concept that there's something spooky about the Bermuda Triangle and I'm going to make a sh this short they found one they found an avenger in the atlantic in the it, one Ooh. of the areas that they thought maybe they would have run out of gas and not only that, <clears throat> but because of satellites and everything else, they can see there's other planes down there. A bunch of other planes. And this is in the ocean? Yeah. So it, it's it's like, you know, Flight 19, the missing flight from that ended up on, uh, you know, that uh, third kind, kind uh, you know, what, the one, the Spielberg thing. And... They, they they were on the spacecraft that came down. You know, people think that they were all taken away and blah, blah, blah. No, they actually found... And it, and it was absolutely confirmed it was an Avenger. So they wow. may have... Wow, I may asked you that question because there was a show I watched recently that said they 
they found an Avenger motor in the swamps. Well, this this they they did. These people did. You might have known because of these people. Somehow or another, they they had another group of of just researchers that were on in Florida, and there was reports that I had heard also, Dolly, um, that there was a, a an aircraft in the swamp that was found and thought to be one of the Avengers. Well, the, they got the whole story. And what they found was that there was a judge who was out, I think he was out hunting quail or something. I don't know what he was hunting. I don't know why he was out there, but he was out in the swamp. And he finds a crashed uh, Avenger. So he calls the authorities in the, and the Navy, and when they, they came and they looked at it, they said, oh, that's from Flight 19. Told the judge that. And then they came in and they took all that was there and left. And after that, now this is a judge, a Florida judge, and the Navy said, no, uh, we don't have any information on anything. It just disappeared. It disappeared into the Bermuda Triangle kind of thing. So you go, okay, well, uh, was it, they asked the, the son, because the dad had died by the well, was there anything that, you know, you found that was pieces of it or something? And the the man said, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what they found was a fifty caliber machine gun. And he's got a fifty caliber machine gun that his father kept off of this crashed aircraft, which was critical because it you could see the serial number on it. And the... Machine guns were always uh, in the in the military's inventory. You had to know where that machine gun was at all times in the inventory, you know, the paperwork. So these guys go and they try to get the Navy to, you know, tell them where where was this machine gun supposed to be. Well, there's no record, no record of it. It's just gone. Oh no, that serial number doesn't exist. So you're going like, what? what is this all about, you know? And then they get into, and you, this, you probably heard this if you heard that first part, because I had heard it before. There was a telegram sent to one of the families of one of these guys, George, somebody or other, who was supposedly, on, well, he was on Flight 19. And it was a telegram, and, the, and they, they, they were there with uh, this, his brother, uh, no, his, it would have been his nephew. And the nephew is showing um, these telegrams that they were getting. Oh, your your son is missing. Oh, your son is presumed dead, you know. And then all of a sudden they get this this telegram from the same area of Florida, the same, you know, port. Uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure it was a Navy something or other. From the same... <laughs> the same uh, Federal Express thing, and it says, you have been misinformed as to what happened to me, love Georgie, and he spelt it with a I-E instead of a Y, which was his signature, and yet they never heard anything more from him or whoever did it, and why would you, why would you fake that? So, it's like, yeah, you found the Avengers, but now you got this other weird story associated with it. Anyway, so I had a really good time watching these treasure hunts. 
and uh, I wanted to share that because 19 is such a an old story. You know, sometimes I think I've got this list. I call it my list of when I die, and it's all these questions I have about things that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to answer them until I die. But flight 19, you know, what happened to flight 19? Well, it must have crashed because they were lost and they ran out of gas. And they didn't fly into some vortex and the ETs didn't grab them. <laughs> but what about the other guy that crashed? <laughs> what is that all about? And there has been speculation over the years that flight 19 was actually testing some kind of a either a navigational thing or b some real black you know black projects kind of thing uh there seemed to be there, there seemed to be something more to 19 which i kind of dismissed until i hear they found an avenger in the swamp now <sighs> 19 is the one that had the five planes yeah Oh. I think it was more, was at least five. I, I don't remember how many. Yeah, actually. at yeah. least. I can't remember for sure. Um, I never thought anything of it. Well, they kept playing the tapes of how the guys were lost. Oh, but that could have been made up. Oh, wow. Hey, now I'm looking at it a whole lot different. That's exciting. No, they were listening to the tapes. As a matter of, well, this was another odd thing. There was another pilot who was flying back from some mission, and he was actually the last one to be in communication with the flight. And Taylor, who was the man who was leading the flight, um, said, I just don't know where we are. And the guy in the plane that was listening to this said, I know where you are. Because he 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 just he was he, he had asked some questions. I don't know why he but but he was convinced that he knew where they were, and that if he had enough gas, he could fly to them and bring them in. But he didn't have enough gas, so he landed and he actually radioed and said, "You know, I can go find him. Blah blah blah. Get a plane ready as soon as I get in. I just want to jump in it and be able to fly and go get him." And uh, when he got to the land, they said, "No, you're not going to go." So they wouldn't let the man who had been in contact with them just, you know, not minutes. Be, I mean, it, was, it wasn't very long. It wasn't hours. It was like maybe 10, 15 minutes. And he felt he could, he could find them. They wouldn't let him go. But they Why? sent out, I don't know. He didn't know. They were talking to one oh. of his, his, his uh, family members, too. They just wouldn't. So there was a lot about that that's just like, weird navy crap <laughs> I don't know what do you think Walt no well I think it is well everything you describe I think is mostly it's true because one of the things uh, I remember in the last book the serpent of light I think the last book or I read about published by Drumbal Malchizedek, um, he describes that the main problem of why the, the uh, tra- uh, what do you call it, the, um, what's the name, the, the, Verme- the, Bermuda the, the, reason the, the Bermuda Triangle, that's it, the Bermuda Triangle, the reason you have all the weirdness and weird uh, phenomena 
surrounding the triangle is because smack in the middle of that triangle, he's, he describes that there's a very large Merkaba, and, and it's a, it, instead of being nice and symmetric, where you have a tetrahedon pointing up and a tetrahedon pointing down, and they're spinning in relation to each other, he says these, the top one is out of alignment of the bottom one, they're, they're, it's, it's because there was a something happened in the, in the ancient past. There was a, a major, a, this is like a technology beyond whatever exists now. This is like Atlantis type technology, I guess. Whatever happened, there was a, 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 a either an explosion or a major energy event there. And the Merkaba in that area that controlled that area was damage and it was less it was left like that it was deformed and that's why the that all those strange occurrences happened in that area because the thing is supposed to keep things centered and you know you know the earth has been the earth has been subject to wars going back over a hundred thousand years i mean every time you have a major civilization there was a major war and that's why there are so many pyramids all over the planet uh, I lost count how many times I've read in, in different books by different authors that the reason you have uh, the pyramids on the planet was because it, the planet was horribly destabilized. Dis, 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 so they needed the pyramids in order to bring the, the planet back and make it more, more stable. And it's, it's, it's been hurt so many times, this poor planet. Uh, we see the results of that in all the, in all these constructions, and, and the Bermuda Triangle is one such event, and the uh, the Merkaba of that area has been damaged, and uh, he wanted to do something about it, but for some reason his guides told him that something was going to be happening on Earth, and that that Merkaba was going to be corrected, not to get involved. But they wouldn't say anymore. It seems that when, when when he writes, he refers to his guys like Dolly kind of refers to the posse. So I don't know why they told him not to get involved. It, it must be something to do with what's happening now, because like they're saying that something wonderful is going to happen, but <laughs> they're not allowed to tell us. So I guess we have to do our best to keep our eyes and our ears open. Walt, are you forgetting that? Happen? Are you forgetting that you fixed that? You fixed uh, what? that. The Merkaba. You don't remember doing in the, that? In the Bermuda no, Triangle? No. Yes. Yes. You don't I, remember I, the story? I remember. I, I remember. We worked on an underground, on an underwater uh, gateway. Yes. 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 Kind of thing, but yes. it wasn't a Merkaba. It no. Was, but before it was that. A, it was a, be- no, before that, okay, you, you mm. and we've got it on tape. It's on in one of the shows, oh. okay, because what happened was that you were doing a shamanic journey, and all of a sudden you were underwater and you were looking and you described. You said it was a Merkaba, but it was off kilter, and so what you did. So what, that was the that was the other Walter, the Walter that had us. An intact brain. He's a, he's gone. No <laughs> wonder I can't remember. 
I, I bet, uh, yeah, but I'm bringing it up to you, so I bet your new circuitry will go, wait a minute, let's look through the files and see if we can find this. You'll remember it. But what you did was you took, um, you're, you were working with Gaia, and, you, you know, you're going like, why am I here? Because you were on a shamanic journey for somebody. And she gave you the messaging that this Merkaba had to be set right. So, you, you, and you told me, you said you didn't know how you were supposed to be doing that, but all of a sudden you saw what you needed to do, and you took a, a fullerene, and you imaged a fullerene completely around the macabre, and then you pressurized it, you made it smaller and smaller until you could move by changing the pressure of the macabre around it, and move it so that it was upright. And then... Either the next time you went out, or maybe it was the same time. That's when you t you, you you had the vortex you saw open and things coming out of it, and you shut it down, and that was CERN. But I think that because I think it was two separate times because you kept saying they keep hijacking me. She she keeps hijacking me. So no, <laughs> that's been fixed. It was yeah. fixed in about 2015. So we shouldn't see any more weirdness coming out of the of the Bermuda Triangle then. Correct. Because everything that you reported is something that's happened in the past, correct? correct. Or was it correct. something recent? No. Correct. Oh, okay. Correct. And um, there's a lot of other reasons that ships disappear in the Bermuda Triangle, and it's the, the methane, the methane bubbles. And they oh, brought, yeah, yeah the, they they brought little... that yeah they brought that out that with the new equipment that they can see you know the bottom they're finding these huge holes just you know really like you know looking down a volcano thing but not a volcano an explosion that's not built up like a volcano builds up an explosion so there's this big hole in the sea on the bottom of the sea and one guy was saying that it, there's enough of these around that we think that this is where the methane discharges. And he said, oh, what is it, 300 feet? This thing was huge. And he said, if you burped a, a, a methane gas bubble that big, he said, that thing would be sitting on the top of the ocean. And because methane, it won't keep a, a ship from sinking. It actually, the ship is heavier. The, when a ship's in water, the water disperses, but to a point where it's holding the ship afloat. When you've got methane, yeah. there's nothing holding that ship up. And so the ships are going along, have no clue that they're about to fall into the ocean. And all of a sudden, yeah. they hit that big, you know, slick of methane, and boom, straight to the bottom. Straight, yep. like they'd gone over a cliff. Um, so there's, there's nothing holding them up because it makes everything too late. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, they, hmm. like I'd heard this report, you know, decades ago, that they they knew there was methane, you know, in in the throughout the, the Bermuda Triangle, but now they can actually see the vent holes, and they're big. They're huge. So, yeah, that's one of the things. That's one of the subjects that came up. You know this this whole back and forth of global warming, 
because they claim that these huge deposits of methane are it's like um it's almost um like a very large methane is they say that the methane is trapped under the ocean in the form of a shelf of ice it's like imagine an iceberg trapped under the ocean so these things are underground under the ocean so as the ocean warms up because of global warming then that provides the necessary mechanism for the uh, frozen methane to begin to melt and begin to do the sublimation and go from solid to gas because that's the thing with methane it's very difficult to keep it solid for long because it is primarily a gas so if it's solid because it's frozen and it melts it doesn't turn into liquid it turns into a gas and that's why that's where you get these giant uh dispersals of gas and when you when that happens in the ocean that's it's it's i i don't know if i saw a video of that a cargo ship uh started to sink because they 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 were over a pocket of methane so no i i they didn't the i don't know if the crew evacuated but i know the ship didn't make it because it sunk to the bottom so do you think somebody could have control over when the pocket opens up and the methane gets loosened with energy weapons sure Interesting. They've tried to control the weather with energy weapons for how long, but it's like the more stuff they try, the more stuff that blows up in their face. <laughs> like, for example, uh, I'm, I'm not, I would not be surprised. You remember, and uh, she's, I think she's, she's online. Yasmin, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the very first time, the the first few days that you had the eagle you noticed you and your husband noticed um a ship kind of making a flyover or kind of zipping around and then it just it left and then as soon as i read that i i was reminded of what i saw that nancy described that ship hightailed it out of there before anything before it disintegrated like the one i saw because I think that guy did not want to stick around. You know, all this sophisticated, uh, exotic uh, warfare that they've been using, it's blowing up in their face. It's not working the way they want it to work or the way they they hope it works. Or maybe the white hats have something to do with it not working. Or the angels or God, somebody messing with it. Could be just an option. <laughs> hmm. Um, I, I forgot what I was going to say because Dolly interrupted me. <laughs> Methane bubbles, holes Good. in the ocean. Now you know how it feels. <laughs> um, Take that. I apologize. <laughs> No, it reminded me, it re- and because it's so off topic, that's why I forgot. It, it reminds me, uh, and we've I've talked about this before, but it, I'm going to say it again. 
we got um, really deep into um, Harold Krauss's concept of the, the black goo. And he went silent for quite a few years, or at least he wasn't doing interviews. And when he finally came back, he said, Oh, well, the dem- Demuge, did I say that right? Dem- dem- demuge? Demiurge. Dem- Demiurge. Demiurge. Is it? Remember, imagine that you have an urge for ice cream, but you only want half the amount, not the full thing. So instead of an urge, you have a demi-urge. I see. That's how how you're going to remember that word. Well, no, because (laughs) you've told me the same thing about five times, and I still don't remember it. Demi-urge, because I don't (laughs) like the word. I don't like the imaging that comes from it. Um, But anyway, he said said that um, that was gone. It left the planet. You know, so, and the reason that I got reminded about that was because he said somebody found the antidote. And the interviewer said, well, do you know who? And he said, no, absolutely not. And if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. But somebody found the antidote. And when I went back and took the time because the guy said well when did this happen you know and and so from when Harold said did the show to when he claimed that this was happening I went back because I've got that whole list of our shows and pretty good details about what was in it and I found the show where we used Shungite to essentially send the black goo out of the planet. You go back to wherever you came from. And it corresponded exactly. And this was like a year and a half prior to when he said the Demiurge was gone. Demiurge was gone. So um, uh, we now have, when Dolly said something about the white hats, I was like, we are the white hats. You know, I'm over trying to worry about if Trump is going to do this or Pompey, Pompano or whatever his name is or, you know, or the military. I'm I'm over that. I don't even want to focus on it. What I want to look at is we are the White Hats. You know, regardless of what the story was, right now we've got people all over the world that have awakened and truly know that we were in a world war, and it's, it's such a spiritual war that we have to believe that we, don't, we we're not. Apparently, we're not going to be able to take everybody with us to the new reality because they've just decided they don't want to go to the new reality. Not our problem. But what we have to do is a as as a group, as individuals, saying no, we're, we're not going to go down that line of death and destruction and Armageddon. We're going to go to a new, beautiful place. And we just have to keep concentrating on it. I'm not going to wait for the White Hats. I, I don't know if they existed at this point in the game. Maybe they, some, maybe somebody erased. Uh, but what I hold my, my you know, hope on is, um, I can't remember who said it. Maybe Gene did, but I'm not sure who it was. But Gene Decode. But somebody said... This this concept of the plan, you know, he said, there is a plan, and it's God's plan, you know, trust the plan, but 
not in the concept of like what I've been pushing, which is trust the fact that there's a number of white hats that really do understand what's happening and go for the concept of, you know, we got to do this ourselves. We are the white hats. If they're there and they're working, excellent. But let's not take a chance. Let's just, you know, say, no, we can do this. We absolutely can do this. Because this goes back and back and back. I almost sent you a link. I meant to send you a link, and then I got involved in this family thing. Um, Sean uh, David Morton Morton, um, is out of prison, and he was interviewed by Kerry Cassidy. What an interesting... It was like two and a half hours. I didn't even listen to the last 15 minutes of it. But what an interesting um, presentation he made. Because he goes back all the way to Nazi Germany. And he's the guy that wrote The Sands of Time. And years ago, I read The Sands of Time, and then there was another one. I read that one. We talked about it on the air. There's a third one that I have not read. And apparently he's written a fourth one. Um, But what an interesting, (laughs) I guess, you know, trip to the past and how all of the things that we're seeing now are really been going on for a very, very long time. I mean, I suppose we shouldn't think that it's taking a long time to get to the next phase because they've been doing this for since World War II and probably prior to that. But he was. Uh, it's, I'll, I'll get the. Po- I'll get the uh, thing and put it in the chat. Um, really, an interesting uh, interview. <laughs> but, but and and Carrie, Carrie, only interrupted when she had to tell him what she knew about something. So she didn't interrupt too much. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to put Carrie down. It's just that he was so fascinating that when she would start to say something, I go, "Shut up! I want to, I want to hear what he's saying," <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and remember, I told you, Dolly. I said, "I hope I can get past his voice." Yeah. But I didn't have any problem with it at all. I, I, I used oh, to not good. like his his voice, but what he was saying was just because it was, and he wasn't saying anything that I hadn't already heard. But he was talking about the people that are involved in this. John Lear, uh, Bob uh, Lazarus, um, Friedman, uh, what's his name? Uh, Oh, Friedman. I can picture him in my mind, but I can't. Big kind of guy. He died not too long ago. Um, Different people that were intricately involved in Area 51 and, you know, the, the whole concept of the using taking these ufos and and you know trying to re uh go back and take them apart and find out how they work and stuff and he had a lot of details and and a lot of little side stories about the people it was very interesting so um yeah carrie you can probably find it on project camelot <clears throat> But he was also, oh, I don't even want to get into it, because he answered a lot of questions, you know, with the details of this thing, uh, down to why the cows are being uh, found, you know, 
completely seemingly unharmed but with no blood in their systems real details that, that kind of like oh, oh god you know yeah that's about the only reason that you would want to do something like that <laughs> you know well what's the answer about the cows well okay so i'm trying to think exactly he he was dulce we're talking about dulce in new mexico and yeah. i didn't realize that they had built that initially as a nuclear uh a garbage yes, pit it oh, was garbage. that's when they're that's where they're doing the adrenochrome in dulce um, well, this was before this when they when the, the, it was originally built to uh, store nuclear waste, and so the they go in they build this thing and then the locals said you're not going to do that here, so they had to um, shut it down, but then uh, Eisenhower goes to. Um, well, what's what's uh, Edwards Air Force Base? The story about Eisenhower in the fifties, fifty three. He's he's in um good lord where is it um Las Vegas what is it? Nevada he's in Nevada at Las Vegas he's doing some golf thingy and all of a sudden he uh he, the president of the United States can't be found <laughs> and this lasts for I I think it was the next day it it, it wasn't a full 24 hours if I'm remembering correctly but it was enough time you're going like where's the president of the United States and nobody seemed to know his uh, security guard was gone too so when he comes back he claims that he had had he broke a tooth or something and had to go to a dentist and that's where he had been okay but in reality he was brought to Edwards Air Force Base because uh, some kind of a vehicle, flying thingy, had landed, and there was actually, and I never heard this, but he, uh, uh, Sean was saying that there was actually uh, a number of of American planes that were shot down by this thing, because they didn't have permission to land, and so they go after them, and they just shot them down and landed, and demanded to see Eisenhower. So they oh, got- oh, that's so. Take me to your leader. That's, yeah, that's basically what <laughs> I it love is, it. right? <laughs> so um, that's why Eisenhower got taken off of the golf course and sent, you know brought over to Edwards to talk to these people. And and again, this is information that's been out there for a very long time. Some of the details were what got me. I didn't know. I've never heard of that. There was actually an air ba- battle associated with this event. But so anyway, he. Um, he talks to him, and he, they got into him and him and Carrie got into a discussion about, you know, because from from the from the annals of time and the memories of people that were there, because many people have said I was there, I saw this. Um, it, they called them the the tall whites. They look like human beings, but they were very tall, very thin, slender, and uh, had white hair, and so they were calling them the tall whites. Well, she got into it with him about, you know, somebody else and does it. But regardless, because it was she, he said that he didn't exactly know where they were from, and she knew that they were Palladians. And he was like, yeah, okay. Because I think he had a feeling that they may not be, that they may be from someplace else like the inner earth. But he didn't get into it. He didn't take her on. 
Um, well, Trump has one of those. I don't know if it's one of those, but he has one that I have seen with him many times. I don't know if he's acting as a bodyguard. Tall, slender, white hair. One of them was bald, but they don't quite look like uh, like we do, but yet they do. But so I wonder if it's one of those beings. Interesting. I, I don't know, but um, Sean actually started the show by telling a story that a shaman had told him about a dream. And in the dream, the shaman sees Trump and sees Jesus Christ. And he's a shaman. He's not a follower of Jesus Christ. And when Sean said to him, well, what's your interpretation? He said, I just think that Trump is being blessed, that he's not He's not a wild card out there. He's, he's, he's blessed. He's being protected. And there's something much more beyond, beyond it. Um, again, you'd have to listen to exactly what he said. Um, but it appears the shaman called him during the show. Because <laughs> all of a sudden he said to Carrie, Well, wait a minute. <laughs> and it took him quite a few minutes before he came back. And she said, What did you... Was it the sh-? And she says... Did they did, were they somebody telling you not to talk about something? And he said, "Oh, I got permission from the shaman, so I don't know if it was or not, or if he was just kidding." But um, anyway, so the, the the tall whites said to uh, to Eisenhower, which again was is what I've heard, that if you don't stop nuclear testing, uh, you're going to find a world of hurt, and you've got to do it because. It's breaking through the the dimensional. It's causing dimensional rifts, and you know, we'll give you all the technology you need to be able to, to, you know, progress. But you've got to stop this nuclear stuff, and you've got to stay on Earth. We'll give you the moon. You can go to the moon, but you can't go outside of the, of the Earth's boundaries. Iron fence, I think they were calling it, <clears throat> and so. What you've got happening is you've got Eisenhower, the military guy, who says to himself, wow, they'll give us all this stuff, but they don't want us mucking around with nuclear. They must be afraid of nuclear. So he basically turned them down, and they warned him, the next people that come will be the reptilians. And so since then, the reptilians did show up. The reptilians said, oh, those people, they're, they're very evil. They come on looking really good but they just want to take you over. We want to be your buddies here, so we're going to give you all this technology. And then Sean was was explaining the technology, and he said, oh, they gave us a lot of technology. He said, but when you really get into it, they would give you a formula. And you got to the blah, 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 blah times X equals, but they'd never tell you what X was, so you never really got to the end of the, he said all the stuff that they gave us really didn't pan out to be much of anything, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting story that he, he weaves. I want to go back and read his books again, because how he got these books was that, and he goes through and he tells a story about this guy. Well, the character is Humphrey in the book, and the character was actually worked with the Germans and knew a, a tremendous amount of information and the reason that 
Sean even knew him was he was he would this guy would show up at some of Sean's talks, and over the years they became friendly, and then all of a sudden he didn't hear from him, and then when he died, the family gave him a whole bunch of documents, but it was given through lawyers, and the lawyers said you can never release this, you know the like a document. Terry, you have to fictionalize it or whatever because the family doesn't want to be tied to the story. And that's why he wrote the books as fiction. But when you read them, I, rem I it was a good read. I mean, it, it's definitely a good read. And there's probably a lot of things that now if I reread it, I'd go, oh, you know, that I didn't get then. So um, I'll put it on the long list of things I have to read. <laughs> Oy, oy, oy. Pick one of the books that you like the best, and I'll I'll attempt to read it. No, 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 no. We're not going to have put you through that again. <laughs> I don't that. Well, we'll talk about it. I mean, okay. I, I just don't want to have you go into because that was painful for me hearing you read sometimes because I knew you weren't up to it, but you did it anyway. Oh. You were a trooper. Yes, I am. Doggone it! I'm a white hat. You're a white hat. Yes, yeah, and away. so are you and everybody else we know who comes to the chat room, who listens to our show. We're all, well, not all of us are white hats. There's some black hats among us. But have you noticed, especially lately, you hear people say, well, this group has a lawsuit against Biden. They're in court now. This suit is, this group is working up. Uh, a case with the attorneys they're going to be presenting it to the courts as soon as they can get a date uh this this group has already gone through the courts and they got their uh verdict and there's more and more and more people getting together to fight the freaking black hats i'll put it that way deep state satanistic beings and that made me think, well, Trump always says you have to do it yourselves. And and now I think more people are starting to to do it ourselves. And I get to a place where the new well, the news gets to a place where I think, Oh my gosh, somebody has to step in. Somebody big off big in the white hats has to step in and but they don't, and I hear a group of regular white hats, just us regular people white hats, has taken that as a project and are working on it. So I have more hope these days than I have ever had. It just keeps going uh, forward in the right directions from what I'm seeing. Boy, did I get off on a tan? Okay, I'm done. I noticed Taurus is in chat. And Taurus, I know you sent me through Walt some links to something that was saying that Donald Trump was a bad guy. And Dolly got the same email. And then when I was going over the chat from, I don't know, Saturday's show, I guess... Um, I saw you guys were talking about it. I have a motto, and the motto is, I don't need to be right, but I need to know. And I would look at that 
just simply to see what was being said. But to be honest with you, I don't give a crap. I don't care if Donald Trump is good or bad at this point in the game. I don't know, but I my heart tells me he's good. The shaman having the dream that he's been blessed, I'm going to go with that. And I know that it's just as it's conceivable that there are two versions of Trump. When he first started getting out there, I couldn't listen to two minutes of him speaking before I'd be just like having a, a dis derangement, a Trump derangement thing happen to me. It was like, I'm going like, I don't know who this guy is, but I don't like him at all, at all. And then we go into the election and he becomes president. And then when he walked out from behind the curtain uh, to give his acceptance speech, I was like, my God, that's not the same man. The energy was different. He looked different to me. I mean, it was just like, that's not the same man. So, and, and honestly, at the, at the moment that, that I, I realized that it, it was like, what's going on here? Because it was just so stark to me. And then, after that, I ended up listening to or reading about, um, uh, why am I having, Starfire Tour. And she had done a whole Facebook, and it was a, I had followed her for a long time, and for some reason at that time I just wasn't following her. But she had had, um, every time she would look at, her, the way that she looks at reality is through this scientific thing that I really don't understand, but she's very accurate. And she, I mean, down to, oh, wow, there's something happening about a plane at this, and da, 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 you know, and something's going to happen, and then you have a, a TWA plane that explodes right after takeoff in New York. A lot of different, you know, events that she could show that she had had some kind of precognitive understanding of based on her science. And she kept seeing that every timeline that had Hillary Clinton winning the election, there was a war, a nuclear war. But every timeline that had Trump, it was no nuclear war. Uh, but I think she put it like this. He's going to do things that we really don't like but need to be done. And so she realized that there was this real problem working up to the 16 election, 2016 election. And she... And she has thousands, many thousands of people following her. Um, I know that she's she's got three different Facebook groups because she maxed out on how many members can be in a Facebook group. But this is back then I'm talking. So she decides that she's got to do something about this, but she doesn't... Okay, so what she did was she went out to her listeners and she said... Okay, I want you to, uh, I think she even had some kind of a form type of thing that you'd fill out, a bunch of questions being asked. And she was trying to get an image of the person who would match what the people were saying they wanted to see in a new leader. So it wasn't, do you want Hillary Clinton or do you want Clinton? It was, what kind of a leader do you want? And based on the thousands of people that, you know, actually went into this, there was a profile of a person who would, you know, be a great leader, would be strong, would fix the economy, would, you know, all these different things that were going into this mix of this image, this image of, 
who should be the person to lead us into the future. And that's, she went back to the rest of the group and said, you know, this is the person everybody wants to see. So instead of focusing on Trump or on uh, Hillary, focus on this image of what we need to be able to make the next, you know, to stay on track for, for a really good future. And after the fact, I, I can tell you, we were doing live radio. And at that time, we were doing, um, it was 7 to 9. It's now 6 to 8, but at that time it was 7 to 9. And we went through the entire, well, the beginning of the election with the, with the results coming in. And we went to break. And when, we, when I came back and I'm sitting here, all of a sudden I could feel the entire room shifted. It like shifted and then bounced back, but not to the same point that it had started. And I mean, it was such a whack. I went when I came back online. I said, "We just had a timeline change." I said, "Something just happened." And prior to that, in, in the first hour up to the break, you know, seven to eight, Colleen was looking at Colleen uh, Kelly was looking. She was the produ- producer at the time, looking at the television, watching the stats come in. And it was Biden, 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 Biden. And then in the last hour, it was Trump, 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 Trump. So to me, that that matched so much with what, you know, so in, in this case, I mean, I do believe that she influenced with, with what she was doing with engaging human imagination and human thought, was able to change the timeline from nuclear destruction to the, to at least Trump, you know, keeping but us on track. But it wasn't Biden. It, I mean, it, it no, was Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Clinton, Clinton. Yeah. 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 Clinton. Sorry. Thank you. Okay, we're mm-hmm. like at the top of the uh, the hour here, and I haven't even looked at what we need to play. So uh, let's just do Gary Allen again, Every Storm. We'll be right back. Four minutes. And welcome back to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. Nancy Hopkins here with Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. Um, okay, so I was doing all the talking, Walt, and I'm hoping that you were looking to see what Yasmin was saying about the uh, eagles, because we went over it this morning on Shungite, and it looks like the eagles are working because the fires are going out. You, can you talk a little bit what she was saying in chat? We should get her on the show. Yasmin, you want to come on the show? <laughs> Walter, are you there? Are you muted? I think it'll be faster if she comes on than me trying to be go be the go-between. Okay. Does she have a few minutes to give us? I don't know. Let me. Does she have a what? A few minutes to give us. Oh. Oh. Of course she does, don't she? Come in, Jasmine. Come in. <laughs> Earth to Jasmine. Well, Nancy's got to add her to the group. We're calling you on Skype. If you can come in, come in. If you can't, we'll we'll co- we'll, we'll be sad. Yeah, we will. I might yeah. have to cry. Yep. Okay. She's in here, and I'm adding her. And they're calling her. They're calling her. I hope she's hearing us. She's probably hasn't. <laughs> even, she, she's only starting to hear this as her computer's going off on her. Maybe she's not signed into Skype. And there she is, Jasmine. How are you? We can't hear you. (laughs) 
She's so probably your... trying to get her get her headset on. Yeah, and turn on his, her microphone. Is she muted? <clears throat> well, we know she's here because we see her picture come up on the thing. <laughs> so, okay. So it's we're, the suspense I, that gets me. I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let her. I hope her husband is there because he seems to be helping helps her out a lot. So we'll just let them try to get the this. There she is. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? We can. We can. Yes. Welcome okay. to Cosmic Reality Radio Show. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, so I know we caught you off guard, but you were in the chat, and that's kind of fair game. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Do you have your headphones on? What? Do you have your uh, head? I don't have headphones on. Okay. Um, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute myself because there's probably a little bit of a feedback coming on. And just give us, a uh, you know, your report on what's been happening there. Can you do that? Um, sure. Okay. Good. Go. Okay, so, um, well, I, I kind of updated on Facebook a little bit about, um, about my husband kind of adding his intention with the eagle and how we got feedback from it that, um, you know, it definitely seemed like it was recognizing his intention and energy that he was putting into it. So that was real exciting. And that happened directly, like, it was on the 18th because after the recall election, I was definitely in a bit of a slump. So, um, but I, I managed to kind of just push myself out of that and I'm like, okay, I can't focus on that. I got to move forward. So we were doing our intentions and then we got rain over the weekend. So we got ours Saturday night um, and it was a light rain, so we didn't get four days, but we're still working on it. Um, my mom got her rain, and she's up in the Paradise Megali area, and it was absolutely pouring. And she got it uh, Saturday during the day. I also got some text messages from some friends that lived in the Bay Area, so Berkeley area. Um, they got a bunch of unexpected rain that wasn't on the weather radar. And, and she, my, my friend down there, she knows what I'm up to. So <laughs> mm-hmm. she texted me right away and uh, asked, you know, Hey, have you been doing anything? And I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Dixie fire, I think is down to like 92% contained. Um, the fire, the Caldor fire over by Lake Tahoe, that's actually down to, it's, uh, 98% contained. So they've almost got full control over that. Um, so it, it's working. Um, we, we got more fires that erupted and I know some people saw in the chat window, I actually posted, uh, the Cal fire map for 2021. And I kind of zoomed out just to get a visual and all those fire spots on there are just for 2021 and mostly just for our season. 
um, which all the gray dots are fires put out and under control, but we still have 12 active fires right now. So, um, yeah, that kind of like, whoa, (laughs) that was a bit of a shocker and um, definitely something going on. But, you know, hey, you know, we're co-creators, we're powerful beings and um, we can flip the script on them. So that's exciting. And we, we just need to keep our chin up and keep doing our good work. Do they have the Redwood Fire under control? No, not yet. That one actually just started, I think it was on the 14th. So that that's the thing with these fires. Um, you know, we hear rumors of people starting them. Um, and I don't know if these are people that are, you know, just mentally unstable or, you know, there's... With everything going on, I also feel like there could be some sort of, you know, the spiritual element where, you know, people that aren't fully aware might, you know, be getting triggered to do something. Um, And that might be the reason why people are starting fires. Um, There could be, you know, there was some, the one that was started, the Dixie fire, that was actually a professor from Santa Clara. So he may have had some sort of environmental agenda for doing that. Um, But yeah, so we're, we're constantly under threat. They, so they (laughs) actually, they actually, excuse me, but they actually found the person that started the fire and he's a professor at some university. Correct. That's just, that's he just was, wild. Yeah, my husband said he was a climate change professor, so. Oh, Bob, why don't you come over here and explain? <laughs> I would hate to mislead or get this wrong, but my understanding is that he was taught, he taught, and was let go at the University of Santa Clara. He was let go because he was rather boisterous about his position on climate change. He was teaching in the sciences department. He was giving lectures, and he went up to start the fires. And this is my understanding from a local news source, and I think it would be checked on KCRA, that his belief was by starting them, he could show what devastation that man causes to their environment, which in our household, we agree that man is causing problems. (laughs) We don't necessarily agree with everybody else's opinion, but we know that we're causing problems, so we should do our best to solve those problems. By starting fires. Now, this is real sane. Yes, I understand (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I Nancy, mean, Nancy, yes, think, yeah. uh, think a minute. He look at the destruction he's caused, all because he's in the climate change agenda. What if he had been a flat earther? What was he oh. going to do? <laughs> flatten, flatten the state of California? Oh my God! <laughs> oh, 
Oh, dear. What would that have done, Walt? I don't know. Maybe make California flat? You know, California is a mountainous state. Maybe he would have made it entirely flat? That sounds very scary. Or it had opened up and they would have fallen into the crevasse of the inner earth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Bob. That was was very interesting. It just... Anyway, Yasmin, continue. Or both of you, whatever you'd like to say, tell us more. Well... That's pretty much where we're at now. Um, so we're, we're just going to keep working with the Eagle. And um, as these fires come out, I'm just going to bring in more water because that's what's needed. It's definitely helping the firefighters up there. And um, we used to have, um, we used to have a lot of the uh, prison people would help, with the wildfires out, you know, in the bush. And ever since Gavin Newsom let them all out for COVID, now we don't have that resource anymore. So, you know, we're definitely being attacked on all fronts, but, um, you know, as long as people, you know, know their strength and know their ability to just pivot around this stuff, um, we, we have a lot more power than we think. And as a fire survivor who, you know, it was my mother's house, but um, I mean, that Paradise Fire wrapped all around her. And it was just due to a protection bubble that we threw up that uh, prevented her house from being consumed. And that was a really bad one. So, you know, just people need to not be afraid. They need to step into their power. They need to use it because these things sort of develop once you start using it and playing with it, you know, um, you know, that's just what Bob and I are doing with the Eagle. We're just having fun with it and playing with it, seeing how much we can, how much good we can do and how much rain we can bring. And, you know, as you start to see little successes here and there, then um, your confidence That's a, that's a very powerful uh, contrast, Yasmin, because here you have two individuals who are showing all that all the creative things that you can do. And here you have this other character, supposedly uneducated person, and he went off to prove what, what uh, destruction... It's conceivable. I mean, what, what what is the point? What what did he achieve by such a by attempting such a thing? I mean, I don't see any solutions. If anything, you're just you're just uh, creating more cause for fear. Exactly. It's quite a what a contrast, huh? Definitely. Yeah. So they they're operating out of fear and losing their minds in the process. <laughs> Yasmin, you you posted a thing about the white white cap on one of the mountains. Can you explain why you were so excited about that? I know it would, but I want you to explain it to the audience. So yeah, Mount Shasta usually, even towards later in the year, it usually has like a little bit of uh, snow at the top, but for the most part, it it's fully melted, and. Um, but there's always a little something up there, even towards the end of summer. 
And this year was different. And all the environmentalists were screaming about how, you know, there was no snowpack left on Mount Shasta. It had all disappeared. And that was very early on. So it was, I want to say it was like June. So just the beginning of summer. And of course, it's been oppressively hot over here through the summer. And um, so usually we don't start seeing rain until mm, October, November, and same for the snow. Um, it can even be as late as December if it's really dry. So getting rain and snow and have the temperatures come down and be cool enough so that the snow would stay up there uh, was very exciting. So that's why I found it significant. And I, I just started <laughs> sharing on Facebook and um, definitely another win. So global, does that mean that global warming is not a thing? I think global warming is a choice depending on how we, we what we intend, right? Wow. <laughs> you know, if well you done. If, if you listen to um the naysayers about the global warming and I've got a I've got a clip of it someplace. There's this one guy, he was very much for it. He was, you know, understood the the supposed science, but he was very young. And he wasn't very experienced. And then he began to learn more about his trade. And as he did so, he began to relook at the concept of the global warming. And he realized it was just bullshit. And to hear this guy, you know, explain, and he's an older man now, you know, that trying to apologize to the world for having gotten it so wrong. And I don't even know what happened to him or the story, but this is like they talk about the pandemic being a lie and a hoax. The climate change thing is a huge hoax, absolutely huge. And over the years, I think you probably remember when we'd we'd hear reports of, well, Greenland's supposed to be uh, melting, but, uh, you know, all the, the icebergs are still here. And, you know, wow, they had the coldest winter of, you know, there's a lot of information saying, it, no, it, it's not even, you know, yes, they're, the planet's heating up because the solar system's heating up. But, you know, this whole concept of, you know, losing the planet to heat isn't, even true when you look at what's really happening but again it doesn't get publicized the truth no, it, doesn't. it doesn't get publicized it doesn't. and actually my my husband he came back in the room he could speak to this because he's actually done a lot of that research himself because um he spent a number of years working and um doing environmental cleanup equipment, so I'll let him talk yeah, a little I, bit. I spent about 15 years working in remediation technologies in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom as far as turning our, our garbage into energy without emissions and other projects like this. And I, I can tell you from the beginning when I started seeing electric cars and people started talking about climate change that it was probably the worst marketing program to ever hit the planet. 
The, the question has never been, is the climate changing? That's a dumb question. It, it, it changes all the time. It's supposed to. It is a environmental engine. The question is, what do we do about the effects that we've had on our climate? When we build ski resorts in little valleys and we populate them with little buildings all over the place, we should expect a heat envelope to be created. This isn't a climate change problem. When you talk about it, it's a marketing problem. And when you talk about climate change, you make a definition. But when you talk about having an impact, you leave room for people to discuss and you leave room for people to come up with transitional technologies and ideas, which is what I work with now, to make these changes less drastic and the effects on them less drastic on us and our planet. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm finding it fascinating. Can you give us some examples of what you mean, what you're building, how you're making well, the change? For example, one thing that, that Japan did back in 1996 is they spent a ton of money trying to figure out how to treat wastewater inside of the apartment buildings rather than send it down the pipeline to the water treatment plants. And that's what built what we call membrane technologies. So they could actually separate solids from liquid and treat them on site and reuse the water in certain places within the building so they weren't treating as much. This is what we call a transitional technology. Another idea might be rather than to try and burn off gasoline at every gas station in the United States with what they call a Healy burner, we might try trapping it with a device known as an ARID and put it back into the tank to be distributed. And that would save billions of tons of emissions per day. Do people want to do it? In some places, no. They actually find the gas stations and they use the money to support government projects. So we have to come up with transitional thinking. Instead of just immediately going to electric cars, we need to transition to those vehicles so that they are more functional than they are now because an electric car is, is great in New Hampshire or maybe Rhode Island or Connecticut when you're driving around and the next state is only 150 miles away. But out here in California, if I want to drive to Los Angeles, I have to drive 600 miles. If I have to stop at 321 miles to charge my Tesla for seven hours, it's not worth it for me to get an electric car. That's not a transitional technology that makes a lot of sense. That's two primary examples in my mind. There is a third. Everybody talks about energy management. This one is worth recording. <laughs> when you're creating energy, you have to get it from somewhere else. So you, to make energy for our homes, we can use solar, but there will never be enough solar to power all of our homes. We can use wind, but birds die, um, cows are affected, and there are problems with de-icing windmills with helicopters that I don't like. We can use coal in clean coal technology, but we still have to dig it up. We still have to get to it. Nobody wants nuclear, even though that was the cleanest of all technologies, except for Three Mile Island and Chernobyl. There's another avenue, which is called waste to energy, where we take our municipal solid waste that's picked up by your garbage truck, 
and delivers it to a processing plant in any city as possible, and in a zero emission environment, turns your municipal solid waste into energy. This concept has been around for 40 years and is now just barely being touched on. And the reason why it's not being touched on as much is that people make a lot of money selling landfill space, which is probably one of the worst things you can do to your planet. Well, it's even uh, more than that, because like here in the state of Florida, if you were to put those kind of facilities in, in a few years, you would have paid for them. The, oh, yeah. The rates that they charge for electricity here is based primarily on how much money you put into the plant in maintenance or making things better. In those kind of plants, they get to a point where you don't put very much money in it. So the power companies can't charge us. It's all money. Right. It is. And it's an unfortunate thing, but, but since we are a capitalistic society, because we are, and we do thrive on money, there has to, this is why I talk about what I call transitional technologies. There has to be a way in between to help people get from one point to that other. In other words, instead of just thinking about going from a, a gas-powered car to an electric car, can we come up with something in between? The hybrids are the first of those, but the hybrids have lithium batteries in it, and there's nothing more horrendous than watching lithium be mined in a third-world country by 12-year-old children. It's horrible. And, and so we have to... If we say that we're going to do better, then we need to look at not only what the product does for us and not just feel good about the product, but look how it's made and where it's made and what it's doing to that environment. There's a guy now who's just beginning to rebuild lithium batteries so they can be used again. And up until this point, which I'd say is about two years ago, we were taking lithium batteries and we were shipping them to Malaysia and we were putting them in a giant pile. And that's what we were doing with them. And, and people were paying for that recycling. They didn't know. Now, my understanding is, too, that there, uh, if, if, if they catch on fire, it's a, a hazmat situation. They're very, very dangerous if they have any kind of a fire situation and these things have been known to explode. I mean, I oh, think yes. they're insane. And the fact yeah. that they're using all this 5G to be able to navigate all these dang things, you know, and going to have driverless cars and all this other crap, all, it's, it's like the world has gone insane. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a, the, the people that are supposed to have been protecting us from people that are insane are now insane. We've got, right. to, we've got to make some changes here. <laughs> You know. I, I really agree with you on some of the technologies because it's hard enough driving as it is if you want to eat something, you know, or or do something else in the car. And now we've added phones, DVDs, GPSs, and the rest of it. We talk about making life convenient. So we're not on the FCC rules here. What we're doing is making life stupid because we've stopped teaching people how to do math with a pencil and a paper we've stopped how to how you ask somebody to read a map and they go which way is north if they know north 
Um, there's just all these little things that we've taken away. And what we were doing when my, you know, when I was learning to drive from my mother <clears throat> 35, 40 years ago was to pay attention to the road. And now I'm driving a car that requires me to pay attention hardly at all. <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing. And I agree with you. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to get some what? shungite and we're going to shungite the world. Which sounds Absolutely. crazy, but that's the truth of it. Because we got to enhance our own abilities. You know, Walt, Walt who's on the conversation with us, although I'd forgotten about that. Walt, you want to say anything? <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm listening uh, to the presentation. Okay. W Walt once said that while... You know, there was being a secret space program. We on Earth were turning into the Q continuum. You know the reference to, to Space Trek? And, Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek. And I, I actually believe that that's the truth of it. That, you know, we... That's what they're so afraid of. Is that we're going to all wake up. And everything that they do makes everybody wake up faster. It's like... You know, talk about a nightmare. They're in a nightmare. Everything that they do, which is by the old book, like Walt says, they never come up with a new scheme, um, just blows up in their faces. So, and according to according to you, uh, like for example, the pandemic was scheduled for twenty thirty, sometime right. in the future. Right. But people started waking up too fast, so we have to re we have to do it now. And what happens? What happens if you do things in a hurry? Uh, do they pan out? Uh, do they perform wonderfully, or everything is like have as you're lucky if, if if you get anything done correctly because everything is done in a, in a rush. Well, by and putting us in a rush, they separated us into groups, and you know Yasmin's always talks about putting the frog in the pot. You turn the temperature up really slow, and the frog doesn't notice it's going to die because the temperature goes up gradually. But if you take that same frog and you throw him in a pot of boiling water, you piss him off. And, yep. and the problem is they they pissed us off. You know, <laughs> it's the shut guy keeping us kind of calm. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, everyone, I mean, they were so afraid of people waking up. And they are the ones that they are the ones waking up people. Yeah. They didn't know it, but they they ended up creating the, the the same problem that they're trying to solve. They're trying to keep everybody under control and asleep, and, and they did the opposite. They woke up everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. So I am so grateful that you two came on here. Um is, is there anything else? I mean, please feel like this is your platform. Is there anything else you want to, you thought about that you'd like to share? Either of you. Um, well, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything in mind, sweetie? No, at this point. Okay. Okay, so do you, you can, right. you can leave or uh, okay. Walt's been doing this thing with the Reich uh, machine. 
that I wanted him to talk about a little bit. Do you know Wilhelm Reich and the science? Do, is, this, it's a, is it a conversation you want to participate in or no? No, uh, the, no the, first off, it's the wrong scientist. Oh, it is? It, it's Royal Ryman Reich. Oh, 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 okay. Wilhelm Reich is okay. another scientist. Oh, yes, okay. I, I, yeah, <laughs> they have to have the same name except for one letter, right? No, I, yes, yes. But you're willing I, to I do... I know of it. Sorry, I know of it, but I'm not an expert, so I'll let Walt run with it. <laughs> okay, all right. You too, Bob, you're going to leave us? Uh, yeah, he's... He's okay. off to other things now. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for, for giving us the update. We so appreciate it, and um, I hope you're still hanging out in, in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> All right, sweetie. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thank you, Dolly. All you have to Take do care, is Justin. hang up. Take care, Bob. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye, hon. Thank you. <clears throat> that was fun. Well, I shouldn't say fun. I mean, it was, it was. I love it when I learn more. And he just, wow, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, what'd you so think? So you can see, there are people thinking along those lines. That's that's exactly what we need. People yep. thinking along the lines of alternatives to, you know, instead of just just running with what the corporate world is shoving down everybody's throat. Okay, no, there are people that have different thoughts along different lines make things you can be profitable and be non-contaminating that that business of oh if you want to be profitable you have to do things wasteful and contaminating that's not true it's just a line they're feeding you you can be profitable and be positive for your environment so i'm, I'm glad there's people like him uh working along those lines yes absolutely absolutely okay so why don't you you comfortable going over the um rife yeah no problem okay let's go dolly you might not okay. like this this subject but that's okay i'm playing my game on my nook oh well, God. okay it deals with healing so maybe maybe maybe, maybe she will much. okay Go ahead. I'm fine. And may I introduce oh, wow. Walt Silva? He has a doctorate <laughs> in enterology, and he's going to give us a little brief introduction, or maybe more, of Rife, a doctor that lived in the 30s, did his most amazing yeah. work. Yep. the The thing with with Rife is that. Um, his discovery was mostly serendipitous uh, because he was investigating. He was working in what is a discipline called dark field microscopy, where instead of because the traditional way of like when you look at things in a microscope, you like the way they show us in high school, you there's one or two ways they show us with the basic optical microscope, either you're uh, shining light on an object, like for example, it's the ideal way to, when you look at minerals, minerals, for example, are opaque, so you can't shine light through them, So, but you can reflect light off of them, so you can look at their surface, that's one way. The other way is to shine light through a specimen. 
So that's it's a great way for, for seeing uh, tissue samples, things that are translucent or transparent. You shine light through them and, you know, you get to study what you're looking at. He, wa- he was working on, on a third. Uh, there's another um, discipline, which, which is called dark field microscopy, which is a way to detect. Uh, let me see if I can explain this uh, simple way. Instead of looking at an object correctly or directly, you're looking at um, the, uh, how how can we say this? You're looking at uh, what interference with this specimen does. So instead of looking at the specimen, you're looking at the interference caused by the specimen. So, uh, by develop by playing with this principle, he developed. I mean, I've seen the black and white photos of his microscope. It's a very complex thing. It's, it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie because it, it was a very complex piece. With uh, he used um, uh, prisms set up in a special way in order to isolate frequencies of light because at the time he didn't have lasers you do have to think about it this is like in the 30s so there were no lasers to play with which is lasers what let you have discrete vibrations i mean frequencies of light you all you held he had is white light source and white light means you have all the frequencies because it's white so he had special prisms set, set up so that you could he could separate and isolate discrete frequencies of light. And and in in so doing, um, he was able to, um, by doing that, by breaking down the light and isolating frequencies, he was able to find out that certain pathogens, when exposed to a specific frequency of light, they would like overload with energy and they would break down. That's when he uh, first got the, he isolated that uh, frequencies of light in the 2000 cycles, like two two kilohertz, uh, cancer cells within that range. When Because when he exposed cancer cells to that frequency of light, they would saturate with energy and then they, and the cells would die. So he was able to make the connection that specific frequencies affected certain, like certain pathogens would be unaffected. But if he tried a different frequency, that pathogen would be affected by that. So why is this important? Why is this significant? Well, I'll give you an example. I will give you a direct uh, contrast. When you look at what passes for modern medicine, how is cancer being treated? People that are treated with uh, chemotherapy, you are literally poisoning the, you're, you're actually playing a horse, the horses at the racetrack, where you're betting on a horse against all the other horses and you're, you're hoping that the one that you're betting on is going to win. Well, the same thing, because with chemotherapy, you're poisoning the entire body and you're make, making a bet. Okay, who's going to win? the tumor or the patient. So if you if you catch it on time and the patient is strong and was like 
passively healthy, chances are the patients are going to win. If not, he's not going to win. So that's that's how it is. It's, it's a horrible. I mean, if that passes for science, I mean, it's it's amazing. With the rife technology, it's the other way around. You're affecting the problem itself, not the rest of the body. So, like for example, when you're using the rife machine to treat cancer cells, it's it's like a you know attacking a werewolf with silver bullets. You're you're only attacking the cancer cells. The rest of the body is being left alone, because the, the principle is like you know the and they've used it they used it like uh, in certain commercials like when they would do the Memorex. Oh, is it is it real or is it Memorex? Uh, and they would record a specific frequency and they would record somebody playing a violin and the 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 sound from the violin if it was high enough it would break. A crystal, a crystal goblet, and then they would record it on Memorex, and they would get the same thing. Well, that's that's the principle of the Rife machine: is that it's targeting a specific condition or pathogen or illness, but leaving alone the rest of the body. So you're not destroying the healthy part of the body; you're affecting only the ill part of the body, the body that's malfunctioning, the part that's affected. So uh, years ago, I I made, um, um, I believe he's still alive. In New Mexico, there was Dr. James Baer, who working, I think he, there was another scientist by the last name of Crane, who had a workbook, and he saved a lot of notes because he worked with Rife, because needless to say, not, not only did the AMA went after Reich and, all, and his technology, but they made it their business to destroy ever, any evidence that it ever existed. But Dr. Crane and a few others were smart enough to hide a lot of material. So the technology was able to survive their campaign of destruction. So that, the Dr. James Baer, he was able to duplicate the technology uh, with solid state because at the time of Rife, uh, the electronics, there was no electronics. Everything was vacuum tubes. So the equipment was incredibly expensive and uh, used a lot of energy. But uh, Dr. Baer was able to duplicate the technology and the workings of the technology by using solid state. So he would use a CB radio. He would use a linear amplifier. Uh, he would use a, an antenna tuner. So that's what that's how he was able to piece together the elements necessary to duplicate and repeat the same results uh, of Dr. Rife. So that was my case where years ago I had my own Rife machine that I built in New York. But now uh, my mother, like for example, was researching um, as, as sound healing on in the web using her cell phone. He was looking in YouTube. There's a there, there are there's several users and there are companies that actually publish specific frequencies that affect uh, for different conditions because she's trying to help herself. Uh, one of the uh, things that they uh, they the, the the treatment that she got when she was in the medical facility is like <laughs> uh, middle ages anyone. 
because they would, for example, they would uh, wrap her legs with this elastic band because they claimed that she, the legs were swollen and they claimed that she needed to, she was holding liquid and she needed to get rid of it. And it turns out that they, they wrapped that material, that elastic uh, band on their legs so tightly, it actually caused more harm than good. And for example, um, I don't know if you, I don't think you've heard of this because, I mean, I haven't heard of it. You know that there's a there's a condition on the skin called rosacea, which people get like a reddish glow on their skin. It normally happens on the face. There is an, another bacteria called erysipelas. I don't know how that how that's pronounced, and it's it manifests as a as a reddish glow on the skin. It's almost like you, your your skin kind of swells and it gets reddish. Like like you like it's always uh, like a blush like a constant blush, and it turns out that it's produced by a bacteria. So I tried the uh, colloidal silver with her and uh, antibacterial ointments. Uh, very little results on it. Um, so she was looking for that sound, and and she showed me on the phone, and I noticed that all these sound clips of for different. Uh, conditions and different illnesses they were being published by this company called uh, spooky two to the number two the word spooky and the number two after it and i had heard years ago that there was a company called spooky two who was offering a rife setup and i went into looking for it and the, the difference the only difference is that if you want the rife fanatron which is the the lamp with a light, uh, you have to pay separate, it's more money. So the basic setup uses the computer to feed the the sound, uh, the what do you call it, the sound files to the amplifier. And the amplifier, it, the way that you deliver the those sounds, those vibrations to the body are through different ways. One way is through like laser LEDs. Another way is through contact pads. Another way is is called remote, which they this special device. It's like a it looks like a fancy kind of clamp that has LEDs on it, and there are two screens. And what you do is you put DNA material from the subject between the two screens, and the, and it comes down and it closes on the on the sample like a two jaws. So what you're doing is uh, you're not, instead of touching the subject you're irradiating the frequencies in question to the DNA of the person. So by by that entrainment, by that, um, what do you call it, uh, quantum entanglement, you're irradiating the person's DNA with the specific frequencies, and therefore you're treating the person. Now this, to me, was new. I had not seen it before. I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. I was reading the instructions on the book. Uh, uh, I was using one of her nails as a as a sample. They they give you instructions. You take the if you use a nail, you put it between two paper stickers to hold it in place when you're going to put it inside the the uh, remote module. And I decided to look in the list 
because the uh, the library of frequencies it's gigantic. I mean, you can literally spend hours going through this because they over the years they've accumulated frequencies for like almost every known ailment or every known pathogens. I mean, they they have frequencies for eliminating he- heavy metals in the body frequencies for stimulating the pineal gland, uh, like they have frequencies for all the bash, the back uh, flower essences. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's like I could spend hours talking about the database because the, the database they have of frequencies is just ginormous. So I started looking, I look for this and it's called the, this bacterial thing that attacks the skin, the dermis. It's called Aricipilus, I guess. It's, so I, I look into, I check out the frequency database, and yes, they do have that uh, bacteria is listed in the list of frequencies. And what I did is I used my pendulum to scan for, okay, so which particular series of frequencies are the one that she needs. And I got a yes hit on three different sequences. Okay, so I loaded those on the machine and I let the machine run overnight, sending those frequencies not to her directly, not physically, but sending to her nail. And let's see what happens. So what happens is the next day I was like aghast looking because her nail, her legs were totally white. All the redness was gone. I had no response, very little or no response to the colloidal silver, to the uh, antibacterial ointments, not no no change to speak of, no noticeable change. And here, by exposing her, not even her, her nails, to these frequencies, the condition is gone. Is I, I was amazed. And after that, you know, I've been trying for different things and different conditions, and it it does work so far. Everything I've tried works. Uh, the one that impressed me the most was I knew I, I knew this existed years ago, but I could not afford to buy it. It's something. There's a module that comes with the machine, which is called a biofeedback module. And what it is, it you the module scans your um, what do you call it? Your heart rate, and at the same time the because according to uh, Rife from such a frequency to another frequency, something from like 25,000 to 154,000, is between those two ranges, those two frequencies, is where you find 99.9% of all the pathogens, bacteria, viruses, parasites, microbes, within those two numbers. So the device takes an hour, and what it does you have to sit down and be as relaxed as possible. Uh, the machine is exposing your using contact pads, like a uh, like a tens like tens pads. You using contact pads is subjecting the the body to the different frequencies, but it's also detecting your birth, your uh, heart rate. So when it hits uh, a target. When it's when it's producing a frequency that the body is reacting to, it takes note of that. So 
not only is it taking note of that, but it's also exposing you to that vibration. So it's it's cleaning the body as it's also detecting what what uh, pathogens could possibly be in your body. So like I when I did it for me, it isolated like 40 something different frequencies that are either potential pathogens or distortions in the body. So there is a change that you experience before <laughs> before and after, because I can say that, yeah, things that were bothering me before are no longer there. Uh, but if you're going to do contact, direct contact, like I did with those pads, you have to, you can't do that every day. You have to let, let it, let the machine rest for a day or two because your body has to clean itself from all the die off. It, it, it kills so many pathogens and so many microbes that are, you know, are affecting you. You have to let the body cleanse itself. You can't be using the machine every day in that mode. So, um, so far, so good. <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, it's not amazing because we knew we were going to get to this point. I mean, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. Okay, we're down to the last four minutes here. Dolly, did you want to say Goodbye, something? Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Dolly, you want to say something? Uh, no, not really. Just thanks, everyone, for listening. Love you all. <laughs> you think so? Oh. What? Um, you know the bill that we know together? Yes. I got something from the uh, the posse peoples wanting you to check in on them. What? With your remote viewing. Why? I don't know. But if you find something that I can do, let me know. I, I actually was thinking about him last night or the night before. Yeah. I got it last night is when I got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, yes, thank you. Thank you both, Bob and Yasmin. That was, that was very informative. And everybody remember that the Eagles are out there. It's a grid that's all around probably the world, but you know, you're if you're in the United States specifically because you'd be inside the grid, um, reach out to it. It's there for everybody to use. It can't be used in a in a bad way because it's been programmed. First off, it's basic energy is the the shungite and the nectar that are you know you can't do bad with it. But also, it's programmed with um, waltz intentions and people that are in caretaking these things I'd like to think of it um, our intentions of just love and uh, joy bringing a lot of joy into the world with these things um, tomorrow is going to be uh, I hope that Michael's going to he always does show up but he, he I haven't talked to him actually uh, Michael Henry Dunn and myself on Radio 5G and we're going to be listening to an hour tape of Dr. Simone Gold, who is a very, it's back from January, but it was a, it's really interesting because what they were seeing in January, of course, is playing out more today. Um, so it, that's going to be fun. 
And um, I just hope that everybody out there is, see, I'm babbling because these guys didn't, you know, if I get, I, sometimes they run over and sometimes they don't. So, Walt, say goodnight. <laughs> or give us Good one. Good night, everybody. Give Thank us you some, for being here. Where, where can these people get this rifle machine? I should ask that question. Oh, this particular unit, it's, it's, the unit is called Spooky 2. It has a little ghost. So just www.spooky2.com and you, you'll see it. Excellent. Appreciate that. Okay, everybody, be safe. We'll see you next time. Oh, wait a minute. I want to tell you, Saturday, we got Christia coming slack with us. It's, is that right? Is there four Saturdays? Oh, yay! Well, wait a minute. Is there four Saturdays or is there five Saturdays? In September or October? It's, we're still in September. Oh, oh one, okay. two, three, four. No, she'll be, she'll be on with us. So, okay. No, I've got to... Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Preaching, preaching The unknown, unknown, unknown You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show Produced by Cosmic Reality Radio Thank you for listening Choose your